You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and we'll start reading at verse number 14 and read down to verse number 18. I won't be able, well, I would be able, but I'm not going to elaborate on every single verse uh, this morning, but I do feel, and I'm still cutting in the middle of this paragraph, but I, I want to read uh, these texts this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 5, look with me, starting in verse number 14. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Don't let that be confusion. It means that we know Christ now as Savior. And verse number 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Will you look back at verse 17, a scripture you already know. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this morning, I want to minister. I've got some things I want to say, but I'll pray and let you be seated first. But I want to minister on this thought, the power of salvation. The power of salvation. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning that I can minister what the Lord has for us today. Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've already felt, that we've already experienced today. God, we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would continue, God, to open our ears to properly hear your word. God, our hearts to receive and anoint my lips to deliver this already anointed word. God, I'm asking you to do something that I cannot do, and that is to move upon the hearts of your people. And Lord, for everything that is said and done today, I'll be very careful to make sure you get the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. I found myself here lately returning back to some common scripture, to some Verses that are well known, I have still yet been reading in uh, the Gospels, just renewing uh, in, my own, in my own thoughts the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ. I want to make this statement and then I'll get right into uh, the message this morning. Take me just a minute to get to the text, but I want to make this statement and I hope that it hits home for you today. Everybody would agree and everybody would amen the simple truth that there is nothing more important in the church than the preaching and the teaching of salvation. There's nothing more important. There is nothing that is more important than us teaching and preaching salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I am watching and I'm still watching. I'm look because I'm aware. But it seems that more and more so that the message of salvation, in fact, a lot of believers, when you start to preach a message on salvation, will almost tune you out because, well, I'm already saved, so this is not really for me. I'm seeing where in a lot of different conferences or a lot of different meetings that pastors have and that preachers have, and I myself, I, I would love to go and be a part sometimes, uh, if, and I don't mean this unkind, and if you're watching later, I don't mean this offensive, but I would like to go be a part and just to be fed, but as a whole, to be honest, the majority of conferences or meetings or anything that I see is giving over to anything and everything except for reviving the desire for salvation in the hearts and lives of pastors. That's not what the congregation wants anymore. They want the, and, I, and, I, and I'm Pentecost by experience, but they want the dance, we want the shout, we want to be able to just be happy, we want to be able... Uh, we want somebody, again, I'm saying a lot that I'm also saying, uh, don't take me wrong and don't let me be offensive because I'm not trying to take it out of text. I'm trying to put it in context. But a lot of people want another man to give them a word. They want somebody to whisper something in their heart. And in fact, the majority of messages today that are giving, that are also desired by the congregation is a message where the preacher or the teacher or whatever can be foremost highlighted, that he can be seen as what a powerful, powerful man of God, and I'm trying to be careful. But when we preach and teach a simple message of salvation, do you know what it does to the preacher if he's honestly pointing people to Christ? It takes me completely out of the equation It sets me on the back seat. All I've done is to be a voice as John the Baptist and as Jesus was coming. John the Baptist did not get the pleasure of going over and putting his arm around Christ and saying, this is him. Did you notice that John the Baptist never announced him as his cousin? He He didn't boast about the fact that he's related by blood. He didn't boast about the fact that they probably grew up together, that they'd eat together. He didn't do any of that. He didn't go and put his arm around him, and he didn't raise him up as a man as, hey, hey, look how close that we are. All John did is said, look, I'm just here to bear witness of the light. And as he bear witness of the light, he got out of the spotlight, and he pointed and said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And immediately there were those that went and followed Jesus, and John kept doing what he was doing. But that's not what the preacher wants today. And that's not what a congregation, and mostly a congregation wants. And here's the issue. The preacher wants to give the congregation what they want and what the congregation wants as a whole. I'm not talking about you individually, but as a whole, they're wanting something that has become a show or something that we can see and something that we can say, oh, that was a great and powerful move of God. Do you know that last Sunday morning we seen one of the most powerful moves of God that could ever happen and some didn't even know it, but silently the Holy Spirit without us seeing, he walked back to a certain row and he 
sat down beside a couple of individuals that did not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And while the, 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 the singing and praise and worship was going on, the Holy Spirit was reaching over. You didn't see it and I didn't see it at first, but the Holy Spirit was reaching over and He was knocking on their heart's door and He was saying that Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to save you and that your name can be written down in the Lamb's book of life this morning. You know what happened? They didn't shout. They didn't dance. But we watched as individuals that realized they were lost and undone without Christ made their way to an altar and they broke and wept before God and the Holy Spirit was there to baptize them into Jesus Christ. He buried an old man. He buried them. He broke the power of sin. He raised them up as a new creation in Christ Jesus the Lord so that they would now walk in the newness of life. But as a whole, let me tell you something. That's powerful. That's powerful. As a whole, that's not what a congregation wants. And as a whole, that's not what a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist wants to preach. But I want you to know that in the hour that we live in, it's time for the church and every believer as a whole to come back to being compassionate about those that are lost and on their way to a devil's hell. We must be moved by compassion. We must reach out to the lost. We must reach out to those that are broken. And as a whole, we don't need conferences that would just stir us a little bit. We don't need some kind of seminar that would stir us a little bit. We need somebody that is still stirred about salvation that will birth the fire and desire in the hearts of every preacher and teacher there about the passion of salvation one more time so that they would go back, not try to be like somebody else, not try to give a word that's not of the Lord, but try to set somebody's heart on fire for the lost and those that don't know Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's what we need. And when I looked and I began to read and over these scriptures, this came back to me, but I don't think that, that, that 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 has ever been so powerful to, to, uh, powerful to me individually. I'm saying it for me, but I, I want to bring you back to the power of salvation this morning. That I try to stick with my notes. I don't do a good job, but I'll try uh, my best and, you know, and be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit so I don't shotgun you. But this morning, I hope you to leave you with a new, fresh desire to be somebody that is used in the salvation of somebody else. It's believed that the church of Corinth, now think about this, the church of Corinth was the head church or was the home church of the apostles. Now, as the home church, they were not just a home church, but they were also the example church. Think about that. They were the example church. We have two letters that is written to them. This first letter, uh, the first letter was written to rebuke them and to correct them. And because they were allowing and they were partaking in all kinds of sin of the world. All kinds of sin of the world. Every kind of, and Paul listed them, and he rebuked them, and he said, this is not of God. And they were just, they said, well, we confess Christ as our Savior, so we're okay with fornication, adultery, envying, and murder. They were okay with all of this. And Paul said, let me make it clear. Murderers, fornicators, adulterers, all of this, just to be plain, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you can confess Christ all that you want, but if there's not been a change of the heart and you're okay continuing in this sin, Paul said, I'm going to make it plain. You're not going. You're just not going. That's the Scripture. That's the Bible. He said, you're not going to go. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
And he came in with the second letter, and the second letter was to comfort and to encourage those that have repented and turned from their sinful way. Those that repented, and he began to instruct them concerning the true Christian ministry and the life that they should be living if they're going to confess to be a believer. Amen. That's good preaching. I missed that this morning. I know he had an amen me right there. Now, I'll get to preaching in just a minute, but in our text, I chose to focus, I'm going to focus just on this one verse, verse number 17, because Paul is speaking here of the power of salvation. He's speaking in the way that the believer is reconciled back to God through what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. I want to teach just a minute because I want it to be simple enough that you can understand. I, I'm, I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to give you something that will, uh, that will encourage you and will give you a desire in the heart. But if we don't learn something, then I, I just don't feel like I've helped you anyway. So I, I want to give you something that you can hold on to, something that is simple enough to understand this morning. We are created. We were created in the beginning. And when I say we, does anybody in here remember being in the Garden of Eden? No, because you wasn't there. But our representative man was there, and his name was Adam, and his wife was Eve. And they were there in the Garden of Eden, and as when we say we, we're talking about our representative man. Man was there, and man, let me tell you, man represented, Pastor Brian made mention of it Wednesday night, but do you understand that Adam and Eve, they could not obey God within their self, and if Adam and Eve couldn't do it, we sure couldn't do it because Adam and Eve was not born with a sin nature. They didn't receive a sin nature until after they partook of the forbidden fruit and disobeyed God. So we have a greater disadvantage. Let me just, let me just help you. We cannot on, in ourselves be able to live for God and to please God. But in the Garden of Eden, we were created. Listen, you know why you were created? Do you know why that you were created? You were created. For God to commune with you. For God to have a personal relationship with you. Listen. Yes for me, but make it personal. God created you so that He could have a personal relationship with you. He knew you. He created you before you were in your mother's while you were still in your mother's womb. He created you and God created mankind. Not the animals. Look, I love my dog, but Jesus did not die for my dog. And he's my boy, and he's my puppy, but he did not die for him. I love my horses. They're not a pet like my dog is. He's with me every single day. But Jesus did not die for my dog. All right, I just, I just lost some friends. Listen, I'm not speaking bad against Miss Fifi or whatever you may call her. I'm just telling you that you're a little higher than Fifi the dog. Is that Okay. I still, I got a couple of friends back, but for the majority, I lost them. We were there, and the Lord created us so that he could walk in the cool of the day and have a personal relationship with us. And because of the disobedience of our representative man, Adam and Eve, watch this, our relationship, that appointment, that daily appointment to walk with God in the cool of the day was broken. Sin had become a barrier wall 
that was greater than what we could ever get past. And no longer could we commune with God as we communed with Him in the garden. But God, who is long-suffering and not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, He sent His only begotten Son. Watch this. We say, well, I already know this. I hope it comes fresh to you. He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe upon Him, whosoever would believe upon Him, I want you to know this morning because it's been, it kind of kind of scraped me, made me a little bit raw this last week. I'm thankful this morning that we are saved by faith and by faith alone. I'm here to tell you today, and I'm going to answer to God for this. You do not have to be water baptized to be saved. You do not have to speak in tongues to be saved. You don't have to be a member of a certain church in order to be saved. You don't have to go through some classes in order to be saved. You don't have to have a certain last name to be saved. You don't have to have the right amount of money in order to be saved. All you have to do is to believe upon Jesus Christ and what He's done for you on the cross of Calvary from the heart by proper faith and the Holy Spirit will accept you and baptize you into the body of Christ. That's salvation. That's true salvation. It's not by anything else. A guy told me this week, well, I realized I wasn't saved and I had to go back and be baptized in the name of Jesus only in order for I was saved. And this is why I've done it. I, I have to, I'm going to be honest with you. I have to be careful not to get in the flesh. That's what the devil wants to do is get you in the flesh because you blow your whole testimony when you do. But uh, be careful not to get in and start asking questions. Well, what do you do with Romans 4? Well, what do you do with Romans 5? Well, what do you do with Paul using Abraham as an example? What do you do with David? You're telling me that if you're not baptized in a certain name, uh, that our father Abraham is not in heaven today. There's one way. There's one way, I'm not preaching on that specifically, but there is one way, and it's by faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary alone. You know how radical the church has got? Oh, i got to give me 30 more seconds to be on it, and I promise I'll get right back to my text. I literally know. I really, forgive me if you watch later, a pastor called an evangelist to preach a revival at his church. Took him fishing that day. While they were fishing, they were talking. Learned that the evangelist that he called to preach to his congregation a revival had not been baptized in the name of Jesus only. Convinced the evangelist that he called to come preach to his congregation a revival that he wasn't saved. I'm not making this up. Got out of the river, baptized him in the name of Jesus. So to them, he was born again that day and let him start that night preaching a revival. Do you see how ridiculous the church has gotten? Let me tell you something. That's not even the character of God. The character of God is the God of, of love, supernatural love, the God of mercy, and the God of grace. You cannot tell me that a person on their deathbed that is not able to be water baptized but believes from the heart that God God is going to reject them. Your God might, but my God won't. The God I serve will not do that. He's long-suffering. Now, uh, I want to refresh some other things. I, that was all for free. But as a foundation, I'll journey back to our text in just a little bit. In order for a free will man. Do you know that you're a free moral agent? You can do anything you If you're free, what, in 21? That's the saying. You can do anything you want to do. You are a free moral agent. You know why you're here this morning? 
Some of you teenagers may be here because mom and dad made you, but nevertheless, thank God for parents that still make their kids go to church. But you're here because you want to be here. And in order for a free will man, a free will man to accept Christ as the only way of salvation, God first had to teach us that we were sinners. I don't think i got to spend a lot of time on the fact that we have sinned. Is anybody having trouble with the fact that they've ever sinned? We're having some trouble with it. I mean, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Take your halo off, set it in the seat next to you just for a moment. Is anybody in here perfect? All right. I'm in the right place. So he said that we're all sinners. We have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. Now watch this. The old covenant was given. The old law was given under the old covenant. The regulations were so great. They were so strict that they were out of the reach of man. God said, if you're going to be holy and be right with me, then here is all the things that you've got to consider. You give the Ten Commandments and what, 613 other laws. And then they started making other fin laws because we're just, they had the holier-than-thou attitude. So God said, if you're going to be holy, you've got to do all of this. Men in our ignorance tried to do all of that. And there's still today some that are trying to do all of that and saying, oh, I've got, look, you're either going to be accountable to law or you're going to be accountable to grace. If you've already broken law and done wrong in the sight of God, let me encourage you to throw your lot over in grace. So I'm going to take grace myself. So with him making the bar so high, what men was supposed to do is kind of like, you know, me trying to, hit the rim on the ball go. White man can't jump. I, I just can't do it. I'm good to get the net. If I got the net today, I'd probably blow a knee out. It was so high that they couldn't get it. So here's what the law is supposed to do for you and for I. It's supposed to show you, and we're supposed to recognize, I just can't do it. I, if this is all that God requires, I'm destined to a place that called hell because I can't do it. That's what the law was for. It was to show you that you were a sinner and that no matter what you did or how hard you tried, you would never meet the requirements that God required in order to be back in relationship. <laughs> but he didn't leave us under the old covenant and the old, old law. In order, I know I'm slowing down a little bit, but I, 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 I feel like I need to bring this out. In order for man to come back into relationship, with, with, with God, we needed a man. We fell in the flesh. I'm doing a lot of Romans 5 teaching, and I'm out in Romans 5. We fell in the flesh, so sin had to be condemned in the flesh. Everybody with me? We fell in the flesh, so sin had to be condemned in the flesh. In other words, we needed a representative man in the flesh that would be able to keep the law. And God looked and he didn't find one. And look, he looked at all of us. He didn't find one. He said, I'll send Jesus. I will reincarnate him and he will be birthed through by a virgin. And, and I will give him so that he could be our representative man. Paul said, by one man, everybody has sinned. But by one man, everybody has received the gift of eternal life. 
He became my representative. When there was no man to be found, Jesus came and said, I'll do it. I will represent you. I will hold to the law. I will hold to every, uh, every one of the prophet's sayings. Uh, I will keep it completely and totally. I will be the sheep. I will not. Uh, uh, the, the, the sheep that is led to slaughter that will never open its mouth. I will be what you cannot be so that I can bring you back in relationship. So he took our place. He took our place. Get that. He took your place. He took my place. When Abraham marched Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him, he laid him and built the altar. He laid him down on the altar. He was ready to take his life, and an angel or the Lord hollered out to him, Abraham, Abraham, and stopped him. And he said, there is a ram that has been provided for you that is caught in the thicket. Listen, that ram was was given to us as the doctrine of substitution. He did not have to take Isaac. He could substitute for the ram. Listen, you do do not have to pay for your own sins. You can substitute for a man called Jesus Christ this morning. He's our substitute. He said, Jesus, through Jesus, our sins would be paid for. You can do it on your own. Here's your penalty, death. Or you can place your faith in Christ. Here's your gift, life. And I... <laughs> I say it often, but I'm thankful that heaven's courtroom is always open. It's in session this morning. Do you know that you can walk out with a not guilty verdict upon your life? There's no other courtroom that exists in the land that you can walk in knowing what your verdict's going to be. You can't do it. You just can't do it. But you can walk into heaven's courtroom and know what your verdict is going to be if you place your faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. What a powerful, powerful thing. Now, get back to my text. The scripture uses the word reconciliation. I don't mean to play people like they're, they're, I hope this doesn't sound wrong, but like they're ignorant. But we've taught classes before and some of the things that we, that we know because we have, we have studied, we've looked at some of the things we know that might have been common language for us that I've had people stop and say, what's that mean? So I don't want to blow over it this morning. If you don't know what the word reconciliation means, I want to help you with that. It literally means this. It means to restore. In verse 18, he said that he has, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, meaning that not only has Christ restored us back to God, that he's also commissioned all of us to tell how everybody else can be restored back to him. The ministry of reconciliation. So reconcile, don't let it be confusing. It just means to restore. What is it that God wants to restore with you? That relationship that was broken when we fell. Now, there's some added benefits that's going to come along with it. While he restores that relationship, you're going to get eternal life. You're going to get peace and joy and comfort. You're going to get a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You're going to get all these things, things that's too many for me to even list. But the benefit package is out of this world. And we don't need to forget all the benefits of the Lord. Now, on at verse number 17, I want you to look at this. Verse number 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. The new creature, it literally means this. If you're making notes, it's good things to write down. It means to go back to the original formation. 
to go back to the original formation. When God made us in the, in the, in the garden, He made us with, we were perfect. We were perfect and we were clothed with the glory of God. I mean, we were absolutely, our bodies, our mind, everything about us physically, mentally was absolutely perfect. And to go back to that original formation, that's what God's plan is. He didn't mess up in the beginning, so He's not going to change His plan now. And when we receive everything that Jesus has paid for us on the cross of Calvary, the day that we receive our glorified body, we will be returned back to that original formation. Anybody looking forward to a glorified body? And wake up in the morning and not have an ache in the foot? Or wherever else, I better move on. He said to go back to that original foundation. My desire was to be the desires of God. The word here, old things passed away, the word old things literally means the things of the former man, the things of the sinful man. That's what's going to pass away. Passed away means to perish. Who we were before salvation, who we were before we knew the Lord, who we knew, who we were before we were born again. All of those things are going to little by little pass away. If you're the same person today that you was a year ago when you got saved, something is wrong. It's not going to happen overnight. In fact, it doesn't happen quick enough for us. But the evidence of your salvation is that you are being changed. And we should all be in this changing sanctification process. He says this. this, He uses this word and it's powerful. He says, Behold, behold to the church. Old things are passed away. Watch this. This is what Paul is doing. Old things are passed away. Behold. In other words, he's saying, Listen up, church. You need to watch this. You need to get this. All things are going to become new. Behold, listen up. Get ready for this statement. All things. It means all of you to make you whole in the image of God. There's not a single problem about us. i got to include myself. That God is going to leave out of this. He will change our modesty. He will change the way we talk. He will change the people that we desire to be around. He will change your rotten attitude. He will change your temper. And some husbands and wives are going to elbow each other. He will change the way you talk to people. And sometimes our salvation is tried. Our sanctification is tried. Come on. Man, I'm, I'm getting wore out this morning. I'm the only one that our sanctification is being tried, I guess. Well, call a telemarketer. Let me give you that example. Call a tele. Let them call you. Here, here's, here's, here's how my conversations go. I don't even know this person. And In fact, it ain't a person. It's a recording. And I am fighting mad at them. True story. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you things and then they'll say this. You can say things like yes or no. Pretty simple. Yes. I did not get that. How did you not get that? I'm mad already. We'll try again. You can say things like yes or no. I thought, well, the other one didn't work. I'm just trying to get to a human. No. I did not get that. Please call back later. 
And they hang up. I've been on the phone for 30 minutes. My sanctification is being tested. Okay, there's a few others. They're not going to admit to it. But there's a few that slam the phone down. They're wanting that old flip phone back down for just a minute so they can slam it shut. Show how mad we was. Our sanctification being tried. Now, he says all things, all of you, everything about you is going to be changed. And it's going to become new. Becoming new literally means this. He's going to start dividing things out. Being divided. Separating everything about you that is not pleasing to God. Separating everything that is... A, can I get some help with the air? People covering up and shivering and everything else. Separating everything about you that is not of God. Watch this. Dividing things out. There are things about you when you get saved that doesn't no longer need to be a part of your heart. And then there's some things that needs to be added to you. So he's dividing things out. We're going to get rid of this and we're going to add this. We're going to get rid of the filthy communication. We're going to add a desire to read your Bible. We're going to get rid of the, uh, the places you're hanging out. And we're going to give you a desire to be in the house of God. We're going to get rid of this and we're going to add this. You're being divided out. He said old things are passing away and everything is going to become new. The Lord is doing surgery on us to make us what we need to be. Transforming. Oh, I'm liking this a whole lot more than you are. Making us into the image of God. Powerful old things passing away. And all things are becoming new. Here's my question. Has the church, well let me make it personal. Have you individually forgotten how powerful that salvation is? I know many have watered it down and downplayed salvation. We've seen churches on the marquee that says, let's face it, miracles have ceased, overlooking the fact that salvation is the greatest miracle known to man. Many have accepted that they, they have a head knowledge of Jesus and they just feel like we're all right. We're going to heaven because we believe that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Savior. Many have made salvation to be rules and regulations, and I'll be honest with you, I thought salvation was rules and regulations for a long part, and I can, I can sympathize with that. I don't blame you if you don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that either. That's not salvation. But as a whole, the church has denied the power thereof. Do you know how I know the church, the individual believer? It's going to get really quiet. Get ready to drop that pen. We're going to hear it drop. Do you know how I know the individual believer doesn't hasn't had renewed the power of salvation in their heart? When is the last time you invited somebody to the house of the Lord? When's the last time? Or do we, I say we, accept how they are and go on about our life? Oh, that's good. That's really good. What about the miracle of proper faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary? Have we forgotten about the old man being buried? Think about that. And a new man being raised up. Have we forgotten about being circumcised of the heart and the desires of the flesh being cut away? Do we still believe it? I'm saying it with a smile because I don't want to make you mad. Do we believe it this morning? 
Do we still believe that there is a spirit of adoption that breaks the spirit of bondage on us? Do we still believe this morning that old things will pass away for anybody and everybody and all things can become new no matter who you are? Do we still believe it? There's still power in a genuine salvation when person is born again. I want to ask you this morning to consider our author, Paul, who is on his way with letters in his hand, a legal right to persecute every believer. But the power, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ stopped him on the road to Damascus. This man was stopped there. He said, what is it that you have me do, Lord? He said, they led him into Damascus. Ananias is coming to pray for you. This man, who was a persecutor, who was more zealous than the law and than anybody else, was automatically, three days, he received his sight. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately, he began to preach the gospel. It had caught some people off guard so fast that when they had word that Paul was coming to preach, there was some that even asked the Lord, do you even know him? Do you even know him? We've heard he persecutes the church. Yes, he did persecute the church. But he gave his heart and life to Jesus and now he preaches the gospel. Uh, wouldn't it be something if somebody told you about the town drunk? If somebody told you about a drug addict that you've seen walking up and down the street and told you about their testimony and you thought automatically, yeah, but I know them. Yes, but have you known or have you got to meet the new them that has been crucified with Christ and raised up as a new creation? Would you consider this morning Mary Magdalene? The Bible doesn't call everybody's names, but when it calls a name, we need to pay very close attention. Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, a little city on the shore of Galilee over there. Mary Magdalene, here I want you to think about this. It is considered in Bible, uh, scholars believe that she was one of the leaders of the women that followed Jesus Christ. She was there when they when he eat. Uh, she was there when he was crucified. She was there when he was resurrected. She was the first human being on this earth that God, that Jesus revealed himself to him. And do you know what he said about about her, he said, This is Mary Magdalene, whom I have casted out seven demon spirits out of her. How much further can you go than being demon possessed? You're not just in sin, you give yourself to the devil. There were seven demon spirits in her, but she ended her life as one of the leaders of the women that followed Jesus Christ. Don't tell me they're too far gone. I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. Well, they're just never going to change. If you're praying for them, there's a good chance that they will change and give their heart and life to the Lord. Would you consider this morning the man they called Legion, who they brought out of the cave. He was in chains. He was in chains. They couldn't handle him. Sometimes he broke the chains. And the Lord called out to him, depart, permitted the spirits to to, to depart into the uh, the, the herd of swine. And Legion comes to him in his right mind. And he said, can I go with you? But Jesus had a greater purpose. He said, you know what I need you to do? I just need you to go back and tell everybody you know about the good things that the Lord has done. They said, 
We've seen this one. Man, I feel this in my spirit. We've seen this man called Legion. He was sitting in his right mind. He was speaking of the good things of Jesus Christ. This is a man. They chained up, Brother Richard. They took him to the caves and they left him there to get him out of the town because he's a total nuisance. And now he's sitting in his right mind telling people about the works of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me they're too far gone this morning. There's still power in salvation. What about the jailer? Paul and Silas. And the jailer falls down at their feet and says, what must I do to be saved? Paul told him and he said, you know what? I'll just go home with you. Let's don't stop here. How about your family? How about it, Faith Worship Center? How about your family? Why don't we, no, no need to stop with just you. Let's take it home and let's share Jesus with our family. More personable than just biblical Examples, let me ask you this morning, where was you when the Lord found you? How big of a mess was you in when the Lord Jesus found you? How far gone was you when Jesus found you and rescued you? How bound was you when Jesus rescued you? How, I don't know what kind of mess, and I don't know how far down in the pit that you was when Jesus rescued you and found you. I'll tell you, I've talked to some people I've talked to some people, and uh, not as many as West, probably in the prison, and, and different things that give testimonies. Uh, but you know what? Uh, not that that's irrelevant. But we have some people here this morning that has been bound, have been in a place where they thought there was nowhere to come from. I know I pick on her a lot, but if I picked on Renee this morning, listen. When you're talking about really not having no home life, she really didn't have no home life. I mean, the devil had made a high bid for her and had set her path out to ruin her and to completely destroy her life. And she had no reason to ever walk away from that because that's all that she knew. She was looking for love and contentment and, and the, uh, the world was quick to answer and the world was quick to offer. And she found herself in a mess and bound by this world and by sins. But let me tell you something. Uh, one church service walking in and sitting on the back of a seat uh, and the power of God moving upon her. She walked out, deleted numbers, uh, repented, never went back. Let me tell you something. You are not too far gone. There's still power in salvation this morning. There's still power in salvation. This is a whosoever will gospel. Whosoever will gospel. That means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. You may be bound by great bondage. You may, be, may have ruined your life. You may have hit rock bottom. It doesn't make any difference. Jesus Christ didn't interview you before He said you could come. He didn't talk to you whether He would accept or reject you. He just said, whosoever will, let them come. I've got more to give than what they could ever receive. They will drink of the water that I give, and they will never thirst again. I don't know your situation, but of full confidence, I can tell you. You're not too far gone. His blood still reaches to the highest mountain. And it still flows to the lowest valley. And it'll catch everybody in between. What Jesus has accomplished on the cross of Calvary, think about this and I'm about to hush. What Jesus has accomplished on the cross, when he said it was finished, it is finished and broke the power of sin. What he did there is greater in power than anything that you and I can ever face in this earth. He broke the very source, the very power that sin dominated our lives by. And we access that by faith. 
But to the believer, I've already made the statement, anybody and everybody, I don't care who you are or where you've been, but to the believer, I'm encouraging you. Don't give up on your family. Family's hard to talk to. Hard, but not impossible. Don't give up on your family. I don't care what they've said. Well, I'll probably never go to church. Well, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to. Keep on. Keep on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Don't give up on your family. No matter the situation, no matter what they say, there's still power in salvation. And we need that renewed in our heart. We need to believe that what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary is still sufficient today. And in fact, I'm going to say this. If we don't believe that what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary is still great enough for salvation today, how can we believe Him for anything else? If we can't believe Him for salvation, we can't believe Him for anything else. That's where it all starts. He says this, Old things shall pass away, and all things Will become new. I'm going to leave you with this, just in my heart. You know, when we come on, help me, brother Jeff. When we come to church, church is is serious to me. The work of God is very serious to me, and and. The services and everything is serious. I'm going to open my heart up just a second and let you see something. You know what I desire as a pastor in regards to congregation? I'm not saying start it tonight. I'm just saying I hope this is the goal of yours. You know what I desire? I know we have things on our mind. We, I get calls before church. And so I've had people that ask me before, can I talk to you right before service? And, and if it's been you, I don't mean it unkind or anything, but most all times, unless it's just a quick deal, most all times I'll say, no, sir, no, ma'am. I'll make time for you after service, make time through the week, whenever. But right before service, my mind is on the message. I've got a whole congregation of people. There may be somebody that's not saved. So respectfully, uh, let's just wait till right after service. And unless it's emergency. That I'm yours. But what I desire as a congregation, as a church, as a pastor, is that we came in ready to lift up the person of Christ that has changed our heart and our life. And to worship in such a way that it's, it's Jesus is right here with us. Because through the person of the Holy Spirit, He is. And that our worship would be in such a way. Look, I'm not comfortable raising my hands. Well, close your eyes and just sit there and just worship. Just get your mind on on the Lord. Raising your hands. I'm not looking for an action. But I can tell you this. All that's going to come. If you start to incline your heart to the Lord, then your, your flesh will follow. But what if a sinner walked in Set wherever they set, wherever it may be, somebody that's not born again, and they just walked into a congregation where every individual is thinking about there might have been somebody in here 
that don't know Jesus. And so all of a sudden, we're sitting here with our hearts set on God. If somebody's here and they don't know you, I'm asking you to pull at their heart. And we just begin to worship the Lord. And that person, as they begin to look around, all they see is people that is worshiping Jesus. All they see is a congregation that is in love with a God that has changed their life. All they see is as a whole, everybody around is just falling in love with this man that we call Jesus. How much more inclined do you think they would be to make their way at an altar and give their heart and life to the Lord? You see, salvation is not just here. When we come to the house of God, we're coming to work. Roll your sleeves up. We're about the work of the Father. We're getting ready to go to battle against every demonic spirit and every lie of hell that would tell somebody, you don't need to give your life to the Lord. And every one of us are standing shoulder to shoulder on the front line. Ready, my Lord, I feel that this morning. Ready to combat every lie that hell would produce that one person might get saved. We'd be in a building, we'd be pushing that building a whole lot quicker because everybody is set on somebody that they don't even know giving their heart and life to the Lord. Can I just... <laughs> My heart's beating souls this morning. What if... One person got up from the back, made their way up to an altar to give their heart to Jesus. They knelt down at the altar, and when they got up from praying, they looked around, and everybody in the congregation was standing right up here with them. I mean, the, the front just full, because somebody, everybody up here wants to be involved in somebody giving their heart and life to the Lord. What if they got up and they couldn't get to their seat immediately because every born-again believer was there to hug their neck and say, Welcome to the family of God, brother or sister. We love you and we're ready to help you with your walk of God. Just what if? <laughs> There's power in salvation and we can get more done for the kingdom the more people that is involved to reach the lost. Mm. Would you stand with me this morning? I think I need to hush. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking this morning, Lord, God, for there to be a renewed desire for salvation in the heart and life of your people. That's where I'm at. We can't just keep walking by people that are bound and not be moved with compassion. We can't just keep overlooking somebody trying to accept the fact that that's who they are and that's how they will always be. The fact of the matter is, Lord, including us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is one way of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. If we don't go through that door, we don't go at all. And I'm asking this morning, God, that that be fresh and renewed in their life this morning. Lord, I pray there be one person here that don't know you. God, that their heart would be convicted and they would be inclined to turn to you today. I'm asking in the name of Jesus for salvation. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Here's my altar call with your head still bowed and your, your eyes closed this morning. My altar call is simply this. 
I'm calling. Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. I'd love to pray with you. You would make my day if I could pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that would embarrass you this morning. But if you're here this morning, you say, I have doubts about my salvation. I have doubts this morning. Would you slip your hand up and just put it right back down just so that I might see that hand? I may not know you, but I promise through the week, I'm going to say, Lord, move up on that lady or move up on that that man. Continue to touch them. I'm going to be praying for you. If you're here this morning and you say, I've got some doubts about my salvation, but I believe the Scripture that old things can pass away and all things can become new, would you slip your hand up and let me see it and put it right back down real quickly. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, God, for that hand this morning. Anybody else would slip their hand up and put it right back down. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you this morning. If you were the only human being ever created... He still would have came in the flesh and made his, made his journey up Galgotha's hill and gave His life for you. One more opportunity, you're here. You say, I've got doubts. Would you raise your hand and put it right back down real quickly? Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Hallelujah. Now here's my altar call. I'm not leaving out those that raised their hand because that's our priority. But this morning, believer, if you would be honest with yourself, And say, my heart is just not kindled as it should be in regards to the lost. My desire to reach the lost is not what it should be. This morning, I'm going to ask you to come. Mix right in with those that raise their hand and find yourself a place to pray. And our prayer is, God, renew in me the desire to reach the harvest. Renew in me the desire to be about your work. God, let me be moved by compassion. Let me be filled with your love this morning. And help me, Lord, to be a voice for you that will cry in this wilderness. Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength. My soul, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fierce drought and storm. What heights of love, Hallelujah. what depths of Come on, it's a good time to pray, even if you're right where you're at. God, give us a fresh desire. Hallelujah. I'll touch your people this morning, Lord. With the power of the Holy Ghost, give us a fresh desire, Lord. There in the ground, his body lay. The light of the world of If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, 
You can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.